Welcome to the Happy Successful Massage Therapist. I am Eric DeGeer, business coach, massage therapist, game designer, and your host. This podcast deals with a wide range of interests framed within the five mountains, physical, mental, financial, relational, and spiritual. This month, we'll be focusing on the spiritual mountain, which involves connection, purpose, trust, peace, and life meaning. Enjoy. Today here, we have my friend Camden, or Cam, as I call him, and he's going to be talking with us today about the spiritual mountain, or the spiritual path and journey that we walk on, and how that connects in with our massage practice. So Cam is not a massage therapist, but it's definitely one of the first people I think of when I think of this journey, this adventure through the spiritual realm, which wasn't how it always was, was it, Cam? No, certainly not. And we can get into that at some point, sort of my path, spirituality, and how I came to see all the areas of my life ultimately as vectors into and, and paths into spirituality. Yeah, you want to go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about your backstory and yeah. Yeah. yeah, you bet. Let's see where to begin, I guess, is always the hard part about that question. Well, I think my journey into spirituality really started with an introduction to a book, which is how a lot of things in my life start. I'm a prolific reader, love to read and love to explore ideas. And so I grew up very religious, I would say, but not particularly spiritual. And then as I got older, sort of decided that a lot of the versions of truth and reality that I was told in the religion that I grew up in didn't really make sense for me anymore. And so I left that religion sort of slowly over time. It was never like a dramatic leaving moment, but I just sort of decided over time that pieces of that story didn't make sense to me. And really at the time became what I would describe as like a really intense achiever, where I sort of decided that life was all about achievement and the pursuit of goals, got very into what I'd call like mainstream kind of achievement oriented personal development, really focusing on how do I go do the things that I think I want to do and had an interesting sort of crisis moment in my early thirties. And that crisis moment was when I had kind of gone out and achieved almost all the goals that I had set for myself. You know, I had a wonderful family, beautiful wife, amazing kids, built a very successful business, made a bunch of money and realized that I really wasn't much happier achieving all these goals. Like, well, damn, now what do I do? I'm on the other side of doing everything I thought I wanted, and yet here I am, and I wasn't really that much happier. And so that kicked off, I would call like my spiritual seeking path, where I really started to ask the, the fundamental questions around spirituality. Who or what am I, and why am I here, right? And so those are the fundamental questions that kicked off my spiritual journey. And the book that really opened up my eyes to what I sort of describe now as true spirituality was The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Michael Singer is an incredible teacher. He teaches what I would call sort of a hybrid, probably of some Buddhist thinking and also some Taoist thinking. And so I really loved that. And so sort of got into Eastern philosophy, Eastern religions, and through the combination of that book and many more, I'd say I've built, and this is what I would encourage everyone to do, is to build sort of a spirituality of my own understanding, where I no longer outsourced my spiritual thinking to a particular person or a particular book, but I went and built what I believe to be sort of my version of reality and, and gave myself permission to pick and choose from different thinkers and different teachers in order to assemble a worldview that made sense to me. And so it's been a wonderful journey. Many, many dear teachers, we can talk about some of that, but that I'd say in a nutshell is probably the best explanation of how I found myself on the spiritual path and really, like I said, began to think about every area of my life ultimately as a vector into spirituality. Awesome. I think that just hearing your story of 
movement from classical work hard mentality, you know, achievement and desire to this exploration of surrender. Yeah. And I know we've had a lot of conversations and lunches and discussions over the past couple of years that we've known each other. They've always been really deep, never been like light conversation about like, how's the weather? It's always been like, right. what is the meaning of life? Or, yeah. you know, what if other beings existed out there? Or right. you know, what, yeah. what realm are we in? Yeah. It's been a friendship which has been forced in the deep end of the metaphysical pool, right? I know I described yeah. you, you know, a lot of people saw the description and that you were a wizard. Yes. A humble guru. And it's kind of funny, the concept of magic or of being a wizard. You've described yourself in some capacity as stepping into this. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Becoming a wizard, it's said tongue-in-cheek and it's sort of funny. And so I hope everyone understands that I don't actually think that I'm a wizard in the traditional sense. But I think there's something really valuable in this idea of being intentional about the identities that you choose to adopt. When I sort of talked about becoming a wizard and stepping into my role as a wizard, what that is, is I recognize I've got the opportunity to adopt any version of what I want to be. And so instead of exploring the universe to figure out what is true in the sense that like some objective outside truth, what I started to realize is maybe what should be true for me is what's useful, right? What's powerful, what helps me create a good life for myself and the people around me. Sort of through that thought process, I just thought about all the different things I could be. And some of it is like, what am I naturally, right? Because you could probably delude yourself and that would create misery. But I just observed sort of myself and my natural tendencies and thought about like, what character would I like to play in this movie? So Joe Rogan talks about a lot. Just act like you're the main character in your adventure movie, right? And sort of you think about that. You are the producer, the writer, and the lead actor in your adventure movie. And so thinking about that, that's, that's where I really came to this idea of becoming a wizard. And so for me, I think what that means is it's really embracing my ability. What I've observed is I, myself, and I'm not unique in this. I think all humans have this ability. We are, we are creators on this plane of existence. We have the ability to set intentions for what we want in our life. And then we have the ability to intentionally begin to architect that life. That became evident to me through the real strong kind of achiever, you know, lifestyle editing mode. And so what's different about this now, I think as a wizard is I'm willing to embrace the mystical and metaphysical components of creation. Instead of it all being on me and sort of up to me to create, which creates a lot of pressure and stress. Now it's sort of this co-creation where I'm dancing with the universe. The universe gives me the opportunity to be a creator and to have intention and have will and to create direction in my life. But I recognize that I'm also not omnipotent, right? There's not sort of the ability to, to infinitely create. And so it's a co-creation. It's a dance between me and the universe. It's that co-creation. And so that's the, the premise of, of becoming a wizard is really exploring like, what am, what am I capable of, right? And really embracing the the fact that I am a mystical creator. Just like, And I don't say that to, to set myself apart from the rest of the humans. I think all of us are wizards in that sense, you know, and there's a, some other sort of personality stuff I really like about wizards as a group, right? They're wise. I love their unhurried nature, sort of unflappability. These are things that sort of really spoke to me as like powerful, positive character traits. If I was going to design my own character in this game, as if we're playing an RPG, I'm like, yep, I'm a wizard. You know, I move, I move slowly. I move intentionally. Wizards tend to be loving and empathetic and compassionate. And these are all, you know, very much character traits that I want to bring into the world as I sort of build my character and write this, this story that I get to be a part of. I think the other thing about wizards is usually they're um, 
you don't really recognize the powers that they have. Like they usually yeah. have more powers than first meets the eye. I think that's definitely true with you, you know, as we've gotten to know each other, just finding out like, you know, it's, it's the humility combined with power is pretty much yeah. what it is. Like, yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't guess that right off. Yeah. I did want to touch on, cause you brought up the unflappability and that's yeah. one interesting piece that we've been pursuing this month in regards to, cause we separate them. We have the first session is about the, uh, the therapist and second session is about the client seeking inner peace mm. and whether seeking inner peace for ourselves as therapists or helping the client seek peace through the services that we provide or the atmosphere yeah. that we create. Since you touched on that with the point of that's part of your wizard personality, at least that you strive to achieve, what does that look like for you? What is yeah. what does finding inner peace look like? And and how yeah. does one anybody who's listening, how would they find that inner peace themselves? It's a really great question. So I think is when I think about the self and I'll talk about myself because that's the self that I happen to understand the best because I'm me, but I think this applies to all of us. So when I think about the self, what I've come to understand is there's really three or four parts to the self that are distinct. I think the, the first part is like the most obvious part is the body. There's a physical body that we each possess. Inside the physical body is what I call the heart, which is that part of us which experiences emotions sort of sitting on top of the heart is the mind, which is the thing which has thoughts, right? And the heart and mind and the body, they all very much interact with each other and play with each other. And then behind those three things is what I call like indwelling being. So this is the part of us that is infinite. This is the one which is experiencing reality through these lenses of mind, heart, and body. When I really kind of got clear on that, I, I realized... I think the big, the big, the first big aha was realizing that I'm not the body and that I'm not the mind, right? There's something sitting behind the body and the mind and the heart that is experiencing reality. When it comes to experiencing peace, what I realized is I get to have a choice about who it is I'm going to be and how it is I'm going to experience reality. And that choice doesn't have to be dictated by my external reality. I can go throughout my day, I can go throughout my life. I can make a conscious choice about who I am and what I'm feeling. And those feelings don't have to be dictated by my external circumstance. So this is kind of, this is where this idea of surrender, which Michael Singer teaches so well in, in the surrender experiment and in the untethered soul. Once you realize that there are these different parts of you and that though they are impacted by each other, they also can be independently worked on. What I did is I sat down and said, okay, if regardless of what I'm experiencing externally, if I can have a choice about the emotions that I want to experience, what would the emotions be that I want to experience? Like sort of how would I, how would I like to perceive the world? And then sort of my practice becomes once I've gotten clear on, on the emotions that I want to be experiencing now, as things happen in my life, good or bad, as sort of stimulus comes into ourselves, I want to sort of make sure I can hold that emotional state that I've crafted for myself. And so for me, I've got seven emotions that I sort of choose to try to experience at all times. These are both emotions and also states of being. But for me, and I think it's it's a valuable exercise for anyone to do this, is just to sit down and get really clear on like, what would my emotional state be? If I could craft whatever emotional state I wanted, because I think we can, what would that be? And so for me, I've got these seven emotions, which are love, presence in the current moment, gratitude operating in reality with wonder and awe at sort of what I'm experiencing and just getting to, to watch it with wonder and awe, almost like that childlike amazement. Peace is one that I choose to experience passion or enthusiasm for the things which are in front of me. I want to be filled with passion and enthusiasm. And then the last one is connection to source or connection to creator. You know, my personal belief is that we, 
we are created beings and we're living in a created reality. And so I want to choose to be and feel connected to source, the creator uh, in, in all moments. And so what I do now is as things happen in my life, whether they're good or bad, my practice, sort of my spiritual practice revolves around choosing to feel those things, right? And sort of as things happen, as things occur, I recognize that I have the power to hold that state, whether the things that are happening outside of me go to expectation or don't go to expectation. What I ultimately always have is I have a choice about how I choose to react to them. And so what I've chosen is I'm going to hold those emotions or those states of consciousness as my reality, which can be challenging, right? But all of a sudden now, if something that used to be bad happens, it's an opportunity to do my work, right? My work is working on being okay with what's unfolding around me, no matter what it is, and holding those states of being, holding those states of consciousness, no matter what's happening. And so that really, I'd say, is probably the fundamental thesis of my spiritual practice is this is who I am. This is who I want to be. This is how I want to experience reality. And then as reality unfolds, I recognize that some of it's under my control and some of it is not. But what's always under my control is, is the opportunity to choose how I respond. There's this gap between stimulus and response. And that's where all of our power lies as humans. We, we are a meaning-making machine. And so we get to assign the meaning to the things that happen to us. That really is the fundamental uh, sort of thesis of my spiritual practice. The concept of that being, you know, what we can control is that is that within that gap. The stimulus. Yeah. It reminds me of the breath breath work where you have three parts to it the inhale the exhale and the moments in between that's where the stillness lies that's where the the center of the storm almost is like we like i talked about we've got these four parts of the self and the breath is such a great example of how the body impacts the emotions and the mind when you when you start to experience emotions you don't want to be experiencing whether it's stress anxiety fear can always come back to the breath and just the conscious choice to breathe deeply, get really aware and conscious of your breath, create presence. This is a great tool for shifting your, you know, the way you're experiencing your reality. You can go from stress, anxiety, fear into these other emotional states, which make you a much more powerful version of yourself. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about creation versus destruction as one of the topics. And you countered with creation versus surrender. You can tackle whichever one first. Let's talk about those concepts. Yeah, this is one of my favorite questions, as you know, because we talk about it all the time. So I'll start with what I see as sort of the ultimate paradox, which is on the one hand, we are willful, powerful creators, right? We, and, and I think all of us probably have different times in our life and different areas where we've seen evidence of this, where we can set an intention, be willful and in a direction that we want to have happen in our life, whether it's an accomplishment or something we want to achieve or something that we want to acquire. Then we go to work in this sort of plane of existence. And that can be the physical sort of very left-brained analytical version, which is, you know, setting a goal and, and uh, arranging tasks and doing work in this universe to create, but also another level of creation, which is sort of more vibrational, you know, more kind of a la law of attraction. And I, I certainly don't have that all figured out, but we are, we're, we're creative beings, right? We have the ability to create. But on the other hand, our ability to create extends right up to the edge of not being able to create, right? Where all of a sudden there's all these things that are unfolding around us that are far beyond our control. And so I think, this is one of the most sort of fundamental and contradictory things about our existence as humans is we are both willful creators, but we also have to operate with surrender and, and recognizing that things are, are beyond our control. And so for me, like the, the delineation between willful creation and surrender is really the present moment. So when I think about the future and the direction that I want my life to go and the things that are aligned with my values, that is the domain where I get to be a willful creator. 
you know, I get to say, here's the direction I want to go with my life. Here's the values I want to bring into this world. And I get to apply my will, my energy, my beingness to trying to create that future. But the moment the present arrives, right, which is constantly happening every moment, that's when I have to practice surrender. Because what occurs is if I have willful creation that I'm working towards, the present moment arrives. If I haven't yet realize that willful creation, that's where surrender occurs. Because otherwise, then what I start doing is, is what I call suffering from my imagination. Because what happened is I imagined how the present moment should be. The present moment emerged and it was different than what I imagined it should be. And so the gap between those two is suffering, right? Because I imagined that this is what the moment should be. And there's a gap between what I imagined and what my experience is. And so that creates suffering. And so that's where surrender has to occur is it's recognizing Though I'm a creator, I am engaging in co-creation. And that co-creation, I think, is both, like I said, with the universe, but also with every single other living being, you know, we're all co-creating together. And so that's where surrender comes in, right? Because there's all these forces that are beyond me that are having an impact on my experience. And so that's sort of the way that I think about integrating this seeming dichotomy of creation and surrender. That's question number one. And then question number two, creation and destruction. I'd love to get your thoughts, actually, because I, I haven't given that a lot of thought as far as creation versus destruction. And so what are your thoughts there? Can I help you set the yeah. frame? Tying in just what you're talking about with the creation versus surrender to a more maybe practical side for people who are listening, the massage therapists who are listening. You know, a real world example would be you having this expectation in your mind of how the day is going to go with your appointments. So, you know, you have your appointments lined up, you know, you're all expecting to get in there. You know, the clients that are coming in, or maybe you don't know some of them. But you have this expectation of how the day is going to go and how things are going to proceed, you know, and you get in the room and you're ready to start and you realize you don't have any massage cream or massage lotion. You set this expectation on things going to go and instead of yeah. surrendering to the experience, I've stepped into the room and realized I've forgotten my massage cream and I had the choice of going and making a bad day out of it. I need to step out and go find some. Instead, I just rolled with it and yeah. ended up making the best out of it and using compressions, using stretches, using everything that didn't even need lotion by the end. And that's when I recognized that I really wanted to get into more of the Thai side of work was the surrender to the experience and surrender to the co-creation. Like you said, maybe something else comes up during the middle of it and yeah. destroys all those expectations that I've set for how I plan things to go. Yeah, I think that's where this idea of trust really comes in. What I've chosen to do is just trust the universe and recognize. And, and when I say the universe, that can mean God, source, universe. Like I use these terms sort of interchangeably, but I call it like the creative force, which governs our experience. What I've learned to do is trust the universe. And what, what that means to me is just like you're saying, when you show up, you have an expectation of how things should go. And then when there's a delta between your expectation and reality, I'm learning to trust that it's happening the way it's supposed to, right? I may have had an idea about how I thought it was supposed to, and we can't possibly know why that is, you know, and this is where, it, especially for me with trust, I take a much bigger view of myself as a being. This is where karma and dharma and these things can come in. Like I recognize when there's gaps between how I want things to go and how they're going, I say, well, there must be some reason at a sort of cosmic level why this is occurring, whether it's, you know, this is a lesson I'm here to learn on this plane of existence, or this is an experience that my soul needed to have in order to evolve and grow, or it's just it's learning to trust that no matter what's happening, even if it's uncomfortable, comfortable, happy, sad, easy, uneasy, it's all happening for a reason. And I've learned to trust that it's all happening for a reason that may be far beyond my understanding, but instead of fighting it, I'm going to let it unfold and try to, you know, do my best to react and respond as it's unfolding. I think that the concept of karma, that was one thing that you brought up as a talking point is working with karma. 
what would you say your viewpoint on how karma works with us? My view on karma maybe doesn't fit the exact definition of, of karma from a uh, Hindu or Buddhist standpoint, right? Like we talked about, I sort of architected my own version of this. And so when I think about karma, what I've really come to believe is that this isn't any of our first or last ride on reality, right? I think we've all been through this before. We're all going to go through it again. There's some element of our beingness, which is, you know, doing this over and over again. And so what karma means to me, I think about it as sort of this, like, I think the misunderstanding of karma is this like scorekeeping system and this rewards and punishment system. I don't think it's that as much, and maybe it is. And I certainly don't, I don't know all this to be true. I just sort of, this is what I am I'm coming to understand. I think karma is more about the work that you're here to do. And I think what happens and the reason that that is karma is because we can create work to do in future existences or even in this plane of existence. If I do an action, that action creates work that I need to do, right? Whether it's unburdening or letting go of something that I'm attached to. And so when you take a long enough view though, let's say you're having a miserable existence here, it may be that cosmically there's some really deep and valuable work that you need to be doing. And that the sort of most efficient way to do that work is through this experience that maybe is difficult or painful or challenging. And so through this sort of karmic lens now, when I'm experiencing things that are difficult, challenging, painful, I can embrace the belief and the trust that there is a reason this is happening. And even though it's uncomfortable, I'm meant to go through it. And the reason I know I'm meant to go through it is because it is. Reality is the ultimate arbiter of what should or shouldn't be. And through this karmic lens and through this lens of sort of learning and growing and developing, trying to raise my consciousness, the universe is unfolding in absolute perfection to allow me to have that experience and allow me to sort of have this opportunity to interact with my karma, the work that I need to do. Do you have the best book ever to recommend specifically focused on learning about the craft or about magic? Like how to, yes. how to create magic of your own. Yeah. I don't know if I could pick one. Like we said, I'm a prolific and addicted reader. It would be how I describe myself. I love exploring ideas. Books are such an incredible sort of leverage point, right? Because what I get to do when I read a book is I get to experience years of wisdom and learning this author has gone through and then tremendous amount of work to distill all these ideas down. So when I think about the books, call it like my canon of spirituality or the books that have had an impact on my spiritual journey, like I said, Michael Singer is absolutely one of my primary teachers. The two books really stand out to me are The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment. The untethered soul is a metaphysical explanation of who and what we are. And the surrender experiment is his story of what happened in his life when he decided to surrender, sort of let go of needing to control what's happening and simply let the universe unfold. Um, the next one that has had an absolutely profound impact on my life is Loving What Is by Byron Katie. So Byron Katie has these four questions that she calls submitting thoughts to inquiry. And so if the surrender experiment is about what happens when you surrender. I think loving what is an inquiry is the how-to. It's sort of like a, it's a mental framework and model for how to surrender. Really how to question and inquire into thoughts that are causing you distress or suffering so that you can see thoughts for what they are, which are just these sort of electrical impulses that are occurring between our ears and choose to overcome them if they're not serving you. I could probably go on and on about the books because I'm just looking over here at my bookshelf. There's a bunch more, but those are the big ones. That represents years worth of reading if someone wanted to dig in. And so I think I'll stop there because I could keep going on books that people should read, but for fear of diluting the list, I think that's a good list to leave everyone with. Yeah, definitely. It has, it has all of eternity to, to convince you to listen, right? Which is a long time.
do you have a community or council of individuals that co-create accountability, integrity, or a code of conduct? So I'd say the answer to that is yes, both formally and informally. So I've got a concept that I developed that I abide by, and this concept is called friend tours. And so what a friend tour is, we, we all are familiar with the, what a friend is, and we're all familiar with what a mentor is. What I've chosen to do is surround myself with what I call friend tours. And so these are people who I share values with, and we have a formal friend tour relationship, which means on a once a month basis or once a week basis, on some regular basis, we get together and we just share what we're learning, right? It's sort of this, this idea that iron sharpens iron. And I want to surround myself with people who are walking the same path as I am, walking the same journey as I am, because they serve as constant reminders to be on that path and also teachers, right? And and I love the opportunity to learn from other people's journeys and other people's experiences, especially I, I really appreciate the opportunity to learn from their pain, right? Because then if I can learn from that pain and I'm able to learn the lesson without having to experience that pain myself. So on a formal basis, that's sort of the way that works. And obviously Eric is one of those friend tours for sure. And we've had a, a wonderful time sort of building a friend to relationship over the last couple of years. And then informally, I think what that comes down to is just really getting clear on your values like these are the things that i believe to be true these are the things that i believe ought to be lauded and grown and then you spend your time searching out and building a tribe of people that have those same values it's really easy to live your values when you surround yourself with people that share them that's the way i think about building a tribe is i want to get really clear on what are my values what are the things that i hold dear and then go build a tribe of people who share those values and hold the same things dear that i do i think that definitely talked before at the summit about having a tribe and finding a tribe. And I really enjoy that community aspect that we brought together in this group, especially. Yeah. So it's been great having you on and having you speak to the tribe, if you will, yeah. and the wizard in front of the, the community. Right. And these ideas, it's really interesting that these aren't anything new. These are like old ideas that Very are constantly ideas. being brought back up, reinterpreted. You know, that's the best part about going back through all these books and you realize that any, even any of the modern books, you look at what people are doing with the stoicism, revamping that or revamping any of these others. Like for me, reading the Michael Singer's books, it really resonated with like the study that I've done of Buddhism or of stoicism and that separation of self from yeah. what you're experiencing and recognizing that the movie in front of you isn't you, the the feelings that are coming in don't have to describe who you are as yep. a person. And so it's interesting, you know, this kind of conversation, especially brought into the massage room. And some people would be like, well, what does this have to do with massage? You know, tell me, tell me about what to do on my Instagram. Tell me what business things to do, how to get more clients. And really, I'd say that this is the greatest purpose that people can be focusing on. You focus on the financial aspect all day and that's a piece of it yep. but having this conversation about purpose and placement in the universe and who we are i think that's ultimately the important question at the end of the day yeah absolutely but was there anything that you wanted to share before we we hop off no i can't think of anything other than just to communicate with everyone here that it's been my honor to be here to be part of this conversation i'm you know deeply honored to and humbled by the opportunity to share these things that i've been learning and and hope that they've been valuable for everyone that was able to make it everyone that's listening online i'm on all the all the social medias uh, so you can find me at camden 4e on facebook on instagram 
you'll see that that's just like a regular human Instagram with pictures of my kids and me and my dog and all that. A couple of the projects that I'm working on, I can talk a little bit about. Some of these are sort of ready for prime time, some are not. My main kind of my day job right now is built and help run a company called Almost Passive Income. And so what we do is we, our, our tagline is we help people make more money in less time while having more fun. Uh, so my business partner in that business is a comedian. And so there's sort of lots of comedy and levity Really what we do is we teach people the fundamentals of email marketing, how to be great at email marketing, and then how to use that skill of email marketing to make almost passive income. So you can check us out there. The next project that I'm working on that I'm very excited about is called Dualify. And so Dualify is a brand where we publish experts on human performance and optimization. So my, my belief is sort of all humans ought to do the work to become the best optimal version of themselves. And so what I'm doing in Dualify is I'm finding world-class experts at human performance and optimization and helping to build them a platform and a stage to reach a greater audience. And then the third project I'm working on right now is called the Human Temple Project. And so what the Human Temple Project says basically is that this body that we're all each individually residing in is, is the temple of our consciousness, right? Our, our consciousness resides in this body. And so what we're doing in that brand is really trying to create a platform and a place where people can work on improving their body. It's a brand focused on health, fitness, wellness, longevity, because this is incredible suit that we each get to pilot while we're here. And so I think we have both the opportunity and the responsibility to take great care of it. And so those are the projects, uh, Almost Passive Income and Dualify are both in existence and running the Human Temple Project is in the sort of pre-launch ideation phase, but by the time people listen to this, maybe they'll be able to find us on the Google and on the Facebook and on the Instagram, all the places. Those are the best places sort of to find me and see the work I'm doing. And like we've talked about today, um, there definitely is the draw from the universe to step into this role as a teacher and embrace sort of the opportunity to communicate the world, these ideas that I have. And so sort of stay tuned, I'd say more to come around those ideas for sure. Thank you for listening to the Happy Successful Massage Therapist podcast with Eric DeGear. Join our free Facebook group under the same name. If you are interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching or our massage mastermind group, you can apply at degear.biz and massagesuccess.club. Please support our podcast by purchasing the 420 and happy hour games at potatogames.com. Get $10 off when you buy both games using the secret code podcast. As always, see you on the flip side.